Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Basics of the Christian life are prayer and the word. It's that simple. So let me advise you on something. Let me counsel you on something as your friend, your big brother in the faith, your pastor. You say, man, I have a hard time with the word. I have a hard time getting it. I, you know, get you a translation you understand. You say, well, I'm just not a good reader. Then you can listen to the Bible. They have the one-year Bible on audio. You can find it online. You can ask Pastor John about that. He directed me to that a few years ago. He said, man, when it's hard to get in and read my one-year Bible during the year, because we read, on and off, we'll read the one-year Bible. And he said, you can hear it online. So there's always a way you can hear the word, read the word, something. And you got to be praying. Say, why, why is tonight so important? Well, prayer is important because God is good. I want to tell him how great he is and how good he is in my life. I want to spend time with him. I have so much, time, so much stuff to tell him about all the time. And I have so many things I need from him, too, at the same time. I love him. I want to spend time with him. I want to talk with him. He's good, praise God. But, man, I, because he's good, I need his help. Okay? So prayers for you. It is. It really is for you. God, God loves the time with you, but prayer is for you and your relationship with God, and God wants that. He cries out for it. He created us to spend time with him, to be with him, all right? It's as simple as that. Go ahead and be seated this morning, if you would, please. going to continue the series today. How good? How good is God? Oh, man. He's the greatest thing that ever crossed the horizon of your life. That is how good he is. There is nothing quite like God in all the universe. I mentioned this last week, and I've mentioned it over the years. The Hebrews called him holy. I believe the word they use was kadosh. He's set apart. He's so different. They're like, he's not quite like us as humans. And you say, well, Scripture says he created us in his image. Yeah, in his image, but we are not God. We are not God. Can you imagine if God took the day off and let one of us be God? I think they did a movie about that. I never saw it because I was kind of freaked out about it. But can you imagine God took the day off and said, you be in my place for today. Man, we'd be killing people and all kinds of stuff. We would trip out. Or can you imagine you were supposed to take his place and you're like, I'm just taking the day off. I know I'm substituting for God, but I'm going to just take the day off. No, God never takes a day off. He doesn't need us to substitute for him. He is good. He is everlasting. Before time began, he was, Scripture says. He was. Eternity is just a different time frame. It's something that's hard for us to comprehend. Can you imagine, once you've accepted Jesus, you go on to be with the Lord someday. After you've been in heaven 10,000 years, one song says we've just begun. Time is different in eternity. And that's, that's the place where God operates. But in, the, ti- in, in the, the realm of the eternal, we see God's goodness because he is so patient. Has God waited on you? Oh, he's waited on me. How about this? Let's kind of shift gears a little bit. How many of you say, man, I've been through some stuff and somehow I'm here. I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't know I'd come this far, but here I am. Can I see your hands today? You say, man, I thought it was over. I thought I was a goner. You say, man, maybe it was jail. Maybe it was a surgery. Maybe it was a lawsuit. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe it was a bad divorce. Maybe, who knows? You had a scare, whatever it was. You say, man, I thought for sure. How, I mean, how on earth? 
for sure this has gotten me. Nope, God's brought you here, right here, right now, on a Sunday morning to church with the family of God. Here you are with him, still. Let's go to Psalm 6511. Review a few of these verses, and we'll see if I actually get into one of my points this week. God's goodness. Um, no, let's go to Psalm 6511. Psalm 6511. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. We mentioned that during worship, at the end of worship there during prayer time. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Wow, even the hard times, God is blessing you through the hard times. You want a secret about harvest? Let me give you a little secret about harvest. You say, I want to tap into God's goodness about harvest. Well, you've got to be able to learn to give. You need to give tithes and offerings. You do. Say, what is tithe? I don't know why I'm bringing this up this morning. I feel like it's God's heart to bring this up. This is part of his goodness. Did you know we give tithes and offerings? There's a number of reasons. One reason is so that we're, we're not greedy. Some of you are like, that's not my problem. Others are like, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. There's times where I give and it hurts. Not so much with the tithe. That's just part of it. I mean, that's just part of our lives and our habit. We give. We're blessed. And the, but there's times God calls us to give an offering, and I'm like, ah, it hurts. I'm speaking for me personally. Or God calls you to give away something. You haven't been using it, and it's so nice. It's one of your favorite things, but you don't even use it. It's time to give it away. I don't know who God is speaking to this morning. We've been doing some of that in the house, man. It's not spring yet, but it's been spring cleaning. It's like, we need to bless somebody with this because it's just here and it's in the way. I like it. It's hard to give it away, but let's go. Before we change our mind, let's get rid of it right now. I'm not wearing it. I'm not using it. Whatever it may be, someone else can use it. Praise God. You say, I want to harvest. Here's how harvest come. Harvest don't just happen. You got to sow seed. That's part of God's goodness. God in, God in his goodness said, sow seed so that you will know something's coming. You will know that I am good. I am God. I will bless you with a harvest of some crop if you sow seed. But at the same time, God's showing his goodness by teaching us patience because we have to wait. By teaching us faith. That's all tied in. By teaching us joy in the journey and waiting. Because sometimes we say, I just want it now. I wanted it yesterday. That's why people jump up one morning and go get married in Las Vegas. No offense, if you've done that and it's worked out, praise God. Hope you didn't marry Elvis, right? There's Las Vegas. When I think of getting married in Las Vegas, I always think of a guy looking like Elvis. Hey, thank you very much, you know. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, you know, whatever. That's corny. That's who I am. But I can't wait, I can't wait. Well, I can't wait leads to lots of problems. God in his goodness, I believe, causes us to wait for things. Because sometimes we're not ready for stuff. Do you think, and who knows, you don't have to raise your hand, especially the guys, you know, I can speak to the guys, I can't speak for the women. Some of you guys, man, at age 13, your dream was to have a Corvette. Aren't you glad God didn't give you a Corvette at 13? You say, I still haven't gotten one. Well, you had to wait. Some people, I'm telling you, they've gotten stuff early and too young. I've seen them in sports cars, kids that never should have had that sports car. And you know what? They're, they're like, it, it, the speedometer says 140, so I should be able to get the car up to 140. That's kind of funny, but it's kind of crazy, huh, at the same time. We're not ready for stuff. I mean, in my late teens, I wanted to be married someday. I wanted a wife. 
But I sure wasn't ready at 19 or 20. I sure wasn't ready. I, I, got, married at, I got married at 30. I don't know how ready I was at 30. <laughs> That's a, the joke's on me. You don't have to laugh about that one. I'm laughing at all. Please don't. I'm laughing. God knows what we can handle. And he knows that you need to be able to give to get to a place to receive a harvest. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, Lord. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Some of y'all been through some junk the past few years. Me too. We have as well. But God is faithful and God is still good. And he's taught me so much stuff through the junk. How about you? Sometimes you go through a season and you look back and all the stuff that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. Because God is good. He allowed you to go through that season. Oh man, you know what Job said? And Job was hardcore because he was real direct. I believe God allows things, you know, like in the book of Job. But Job said, in one translation, Job says, God has broken me asunder. He's broken me down. But I want to tell you something today. This is becoming a revelation to me. God is good to allow brokenness. Because some of, some of us wouldn't know how to handle blessing. We wouldn't know how to handle a spouse. We wouldn't know how to be patient and kind to someone. We wouldn't know how to be kind, period. We wouldn't know how to walk in love if we hadn't been through some junk. We wouldn't know how to exercise faith had we not exercised faith in a fight. How do you know your faith is real? You used it and it worked. Man, I've been through some stuff the past few years. God has been working on me, working on me, dealing with me. And I don't know exactly what he's preparing me for, but I know that he's preparing me for something. God's plan is ever, it's ever developing and ever unfolding. He doesn't let you see everything at once. Why? Because you're not ready for it. And that's God's goodness. That is God's goodness. You say, man, I want that. I need that. Uh-huh. Say, man, my dream house has five bedrooms and five bathrooms and three swimming pools. You couldn't handle that at 23. Check this out. Look at the people doing stuff in their own strength. I think it's Washington Ranch. Is that where we used to go for retreats? Does anybody remember that? Was it Washington Ranch? On the other side of Carlsbad. One of the stories of Washington Ranch was it was owned by, I think, an oil family. And I guess they died in a plane crash or something. I don't remember the whole story. But they left their son $100 million. I don't know how old he was. But this is the story. Was it $250 million? That makes this story even better and even worse then. Thank you, Dad. $250 million? Well, they left this cat $250 million. And he had a ranch. And he started to spend the money. And he built, I guess the parents had a landing strip already. I don't remember because they had a private aircraft. Well, he began to use the, land, the landing place, the airstrip, to fly drugs in and out and do all kinds of stuff. And guess what? Somehow, some way, he got rid of all the $250 million. He wasn't ready for it. He couldn't handle it. He did it in his own strength. Can you imagine? Some of you are like, I couldn't. You'd be surprised. Look into lottery winners. You'd be surprised. They leave good husbands, good wives. They... They lose their minds. They weren't ready for it. I'm sure there's a few that had a financial planner. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it that deeply. But a lot of folks that win the lottery, they was too much too quickly. They couldn't handle it. They weren't ready for it. The goodness of God is he's given you stuff as you can handle it, as you can take it. You keep sowing and giving into his kingdom, he'll bless you financially and in other ways. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. You don't get a harvest without seed. That's the goodness of God.
I don't know why we're talking about that today, but that's important. Let's go to Psalm 23.6. Psalm 23.6. Some of these verses you say, these were from last weekend. Yeah, but did you memorize them yet? Okay. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Remember, God's goodness and unfailing love is chasing you down. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. We as humans don't realize it, but sometimes we throw that word forever around. The reason we throw that word forever around is because we like permanence. If we'd really get to know God, we'd see that he satisfies that aspect of our personalities and our psyche. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes, he has placed eternity in our hearts. We like forever. But we don't want forever in hell. We don't want forever away from God. We don't want this good thing of forever to end. Well, then that's where Jesus comes in, and that is God's goodness. He gave us a chance to have forever with him. But he built you for, for forever. He's placed eternity in your heart. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That is God's goodness. Wow, surely goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy. Wow, your goodness and unfailing love and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. You mean God is tracking me down to try and forgive me? Yeah. Yeah, he's the great. One, one said he is the great lover of all history. He wants to have a love relationship with you, and he's seeking you and pursuing you. You know how a man is supposed to chase down a woman when he loves her? He says, man, I'll do anything to be with you. He's writing great notes. He's, he's, man, he's promising her stuff that there's no way he could give her. I will buy you a tractor. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know why that came to mind. My mind is so random. I will give you the moon, even in English and Spanish. They say he promised her the moon and the stars. Man, you want it, baby, you can have it. Anything you want, I got it. Don't get that door. I heard a song. Someone gave it to me for our wedding. I got it. You don't have to touch that doorknob. I got it. That's good. That sounds great. That sounds great. But imagine, imagine the God of the universe. See, we get that from God. He's the great pursuer and the great lover of all time. He pursues with his goodness and unfailing love all the days of our lives. Hmm. I want you to think on that a minute. Let's go to Romans 2.4 in the New King James Version. Look at this. Romans 2.4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance? Forbearance means he's holding back from judgment and long-suffering. Long-suffering, you can tie that into patience and his mercy, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You do have a will, and you do have a choice, and you can reject God the rest of your life, but when you accept God, you accept Jesus and the things he's done, it's all because of God's goodness. It is the goodness of God that draws us, that leads us to repentance. His goodness. His goodness. Let me challenge you with something right where you are. You don't have to stand up. I want you to praise God for a few things. We, we've already, I don't know why we're, we've been in that vein this morning. Jorge even had us do that. And, I was having you praise God. I want you to think about a few things you can thank God for right now. Just off the top of your head. I want everybody to raise their hands and go ahead and whisper to him the th some things you're thankful for right now because of his goodness. Go ahead and tell him. Go ahead and tell him. I'll thank, I'll thank him up here. I thank God for, for salvation. 
and the cross. Go ahead. Go whisper it to him. Tell him, tell him, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for all this that you've given me. Thank you for you gave me stuff I didn't deserve. But at the same time, you protected me from some stuff I did deserve. It could have gone real bad. I thank God for my salvation and my wife and my family and this church and our home together, me and my wife. I just thank God for his goodness. I thank God for my health, the ability to think. I thank him for a great holiday season. I thank him for a new year, 2020. What promise does this year hold? I thank you, God, for this new year. We just praise you, God, in Jesus' name. We just praise him. We just praise him today. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30.19. Deuteronomy 30.19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Oh, I'm so glad y'all put that up there today. I did not even look up earlier. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. The choice you make. Somebody say the choice I make. That's right. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to what? To Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord has promised to give you, basically. That's, I'm going to shorten that. You will live long in the land and the place and the home, the blessing that God has promised to you if you'll honor Him and you'll obey His commandments. But choose life. Choose Him. Now, Part of God's great goodness is His grace. Here's what grace is. Grace is undeserved favor, but it is also, grace is also this. Grace is God's power to do right and to choose right. Is everyone still with me? Some folks think grace is a path to sin. That's not what Scripture teaches at all. One verse even goes on, where sin abounds, God's grace does abound more. Where there's a lot of sin, there's a lot more of God's grace. And it goes on to say, is that basically, this is my translation, is that a license to sin? No. Oh, let's just sin then so God's grace will just be there and God's power to do right. No. God's power to do right means eventually you're going to start doing right if you really love Him. That's part of God's goodness. All right? That's part of God's goodness. So remember, part of His goodness is His grace. That is His undeserved favor. It's also His power to do right. Somebody say, God's grace is His power to live right. Yeah, He enables you to live right. But in His perfect goodness, His great goodness, He lets us choose. So today, I want to challenge you, choose the goodness of God in 2020. Choose God's goodness. He enables and empowers us to choose Him. So God's goodness enables us to do what? God's goodness enables us to do what? Number one, God's goodness enables us to, here's my first point. Took me a sermon and a half to get to it. Put God first. Now we're at our points. God's goodness enables me to put him first. And you're like, wait a minute. Isn't that just my choice to put him first? No. I know, I know our choice is involved, but at the same time, God has given us the ability and he has enabled us by his grace to choose him. He lets you choose. Ever since the Garden of Eden, he let us choose as the human race. He says, you can choose. You can serve me or not. Choose this day who you will serve. Oh, I pray you choose life. Heaven and earth are going to witness it. Choose life. Well, that's God giving, even giving you the choice. So he gives you the choice to put him first. 
Now, God, in 2020 and the rest of your lives, I pray in Jesus' name, he needs to be at the heart of every decision you make. Everything you do needs to somehow be impacted by how will this affect God's calling on my life? Is this God's will? You need to ask these questions. Is this God's will? Is this what should I do with this? I need to pray and seek counsel. God should be part of every decision, every relationship, every day. Somebody say every day. Every day, every moment, and not in a fake way, a real way. Not just for you to say that in front of people like, oh, i got to check with God. No, really, when you're alone, check with God. When you're alone, seek God and say, is this really what you want? We have our mindset sometimes. Everybody in this room has done it before. We have our mindset, and we go, I want this so bad, I hope God agrees with me. I need this so bad, I hope all my counselors around me, my pastors, my friends, my connect group leaders, I hope they agree with me because I want this. I've had people who have come to me, and I know they've already been told no by a few people and God. I know, and they're coming to me desperate, like, maybe Pastor Matt will agree. Man, I, I need this, I want this. And, it, and it's funny, over the years, people have brought up decisions to me or situations that require a decision, and I've thought, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. You having that or you doing that, that doesn't make sense. Here's an example. Over the years, we as pastors have seen folks that say, you know what, I'm headed to Colorado or I'm headed to New York or I'm headed somewhere else. They're going to pay me $2 more an hour. And that's real. Now, I know that sounds appealing at first. Say $2 more an hour, 40 hours a week, that's $80. Well, the problem with that is part of that gets taxed anyway. But let's just say gross. $2 more a week, 2 times 40. If you're working 40 hours, that's $80 a week extra. Multiply that times 4 in a regular month. That's 4 weeks. 4 times 80 is $320 extra a month. $320 times 12 is how much? Well, just, mm, just a, over, a little over $3,600 a year. That's not an exact figure. What, $3,800-something a year extra? That's great. That sounds great. But I've seen people move out of God's will. I'm not saying this is the only church for people. No, I'm just saying they were planted here, and it was God's will they be here. I knew it. I knew they were called to serve here. I knew they were a child of the house. They were a son of God, and they were one of the family of God here. They were planted here. They were serving. They were doing well, and something came up, and the grass looked greener on the other side, and, man, they didn't realize the goodness of God right here, and they did not put God first in that decision. Everybody around them with any sense was going, no, don't do it. And they're ignoring it, going, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Saw a movie like that one time. Guy says, show me a sign. And the house is shaking and all kinds of th things are happening. He's like, okay, I guess I'll just be waiting for a sign. <laughs> Missed it. Whoops. You put God first in all you do because God, in his goodness, has enabled you to put him first. He's given me the opportunity, the, the ability, the will to put him before everyone and everything. And to me, that is, that is God's goodness, that I'm even allowed to choose. I've been enabled to choose and put him first. That is God's goodness. I know that sounds a little circular, but you say, well, what about my faith? Scripture says he's given us the measure of faith. What about my joy? Scripture calls it the joy of the Lord. It all comes from God. It all starts with him. You can let it grow and multiply in your life, but it all comes from God. You can build on it. You can edify it. You can choose, but he's giving you the ability once again to choose. Put God first. God in his goodness, point two today. God in his goodness, he has enabled us to choose to crush bitterness. 
That's God's goodness. Now, why is that God's goodness? Scientists now, for years now, people who don't even believe in God or Jesus or the cross or anything will tell you, you, you want to have stress in your life and problems in your body? Then hold on to grudges. That's one of the first things they check into. Even secular scientists and doctors and psychologists, they go, who do you need to forgive? You're carrying a burden here. You're holding a grudge against someone. You're bitter. Now, what is bitterness? Bitterness is unchecked unforgiveness. Bitterness is long-term unforgiveness. You ever been around someone? They can't uh, get along with anybody. It's always everybody else's fault. They're angry. They're blaming you. And then you speak up and they're hurt with you, but they're mad. That's bitterness. That's a problem. Scripture says, a root of bitterness, it may spring up and defile many. You've seen people on the job like that, you're like, golly, nobody can even work with them. Years ago, years ago, we had a basketball league here. And there was a young man, and every Thursday night, he would get out on that court and lose his mind. He was overly competitive. But there was, there was something in his heart. There was an old hurt. There was bitterness. He would just about get in an argument with refs, with his team, with people on the sideline. And it was crazy. There were Just because of one person who was struggling with bitterness, there were people in the crowd who stopped wanting to go on Thursday nights because you had somebody starting a problem every week in a church basketball league. Bitterness. It affects people. You ever heard the saying, one bad apple? Scientifically, one bad apple will start to spoil a whole bushel of apples, scientifically. So as, as it's true in the physical, so it's true in the spiritual. We've got to crush bitterness. Thank God for his goodness. He allows us, with his help, to crush bitterness. Step on that thing. Oh, man, to me, that is one of God's great gifts to allow us and teach us to be able to forgive. And Jesus talked about it a lot, didn't he? He said, you've got to forgive. You want to be forgiven? You need to forgive. You want to get your prayers answered? You need to forgive. Joyce Meyer says, heard a message this past week. This is powerful. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You guys know the prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Joyce Meyer said, look at that. What if that prayer means Forgive us exactly how we forgive others. I'd never thought of that. Wait, so if I just give a partial, a 25% forgiveness, Lord, to people, you're just going to forgive me 25%? That's a thought, isn't it? God gave you a free will to forgive as much or as little as you want. But in giving you a free will, he allows you to forgive, and in forgiving, you can crush bitterness. You don't want to lead a bitter life. When God gave me this word, I know this is for somebody in here. Maybe it's for somebody in the podcast, on the podcast. But, man, you don't, you don't want to have long-term unforgiveness. Unforgiveness and bitterness, <clears throat> they mess folks up. They bring sickness, broken relationships, push you away from God. You don't want that. Trust me, you do not want that. Number three today. God in his goodness, he has enabled us to know him. Wow. Knowing God. He that the Son has set free mm, is free indeed, but you got to know Jesus first, don't you? Gosh, he sent Jesus. Really know him. I want to challenge somebody in here. Pick up your Bible again. Dust that thing off. 
Somebody years ago said, if all the Christians in America took out their Bibles at the same time and dusted them all off at the same time to use them, it would cause the dust bowl of the 20s and 30s again. I don't know if that's true. That's an old joke, but I like repeating it. He's given us the opportunity to really get to know him again or for the first time. The Apostle Paul said, after knowing God for a long time and writing epistles and writing letters to the churches and hearing from God and being caught up to heaven and meeting Jesus and God was always speaking to him. He had the gifts of the Spirit operating in his life. He was starting churches. The Apostle Paul himself said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him. Wow. A man of God who had walked with God so many years, he was saying that I would really get to know him and continue to get to know him. Don't let that intimidate you. Let that encourage and inspire you that you can always get to know God more because he's permitted it. His goodness has enabled us to know him better. And the more I know him, I know this sounds trite, but the more I know him, the more I love him. You know, you've heard that saying, oh, to know him is to love him. Oh, it's true. The more you know God, the more you love him. That's powerful. The more you know him, the more you love him. Let's go to John 8, 32. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Go to John 8, 36 now. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. That's all within a few verses of each other. I believe part of knowing the truth is knowing Jesus because he's the perfect truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if the sun sets you free, you're truly free. Now look at James 1.25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, what is God's law? I can sum it up so quickly for you. You already know this. God's law is I'm called to love God and I'm called to love you. That's it. That's God's law. So if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't what? And don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Say, man, I already read through my Bible once. Well, it's time to start reading again. If you don't have the whole thing committed to memory, if you're not living exactly like Jesus in perfection, then you need the word, you need prayer. And I guarantee it, it's crazy how people think. They'll, I've had people over the years, they say, I remember I, w I would really hit the gym hard with Barry years ago. I was more muscular than I am now, never been a real big guy. But I remember at that time people would tell me, man, you don't, look how dumb this is. Why do you go to the gym? You look great. Excuse me? I've heard people tell other people that. Why are you running? You're skinny already. They're skinny, brother, because they're running. I know that, I don't know, maybe, my, maybe your mind conceives that and understands it better. I'm like, I had people over the years, they said, man, I mean, why do you eat healthy? Look how slim you are. Like, I'm over 40 now. I'm, I'm having to make, like, like, do it on purpose now. Been blessed with some lean genetics, but I also got blessed with some, well, that's not from the Lord, but my hair fell out. That was all DNA. But now... Yeah, now you get, in, uh, you get in older, it's time to make good decisions. Say, well, yeah, but you already, you already do that. I mean, look, it comes naturally. No. If the guy stops running, he starts gaining weight. He stops going to the gym, he stops looking as good and being as muscular. We can't, we can't forget 
what God told us in his word and say, well, you know what, man, I'm doing great now, so I'm just not going to pray or read the word. Human nature does that. I'm doing great now, so I don't really need the joy of the Lord. No, call it out. When you're joyful, say, I have the joy of the Lord. Man, you speak about it. Talk about it. Seek God in good times and bad times. Seek him. You need it. And this is my fourth point today. God's goodness enables us to choose freedom. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. What is freedom? A guiltless conscience. Sleeping well. Not needing substances to cope. I mean a substance like, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever. Hey, and I know sometimes you say, man, you don't understand. I need medication. Hey, there's grace for that. God, God will empower you and you'll get through that. I know sometimes we need medication or you're sick or whatever. I'm just saying the rest of your life using coping mechanisms that are not God. No, God gave you the power to choose and he gave you the power to choose freedom. Somebody in this house say, raise your hand. Everybody in this house and say, I choose freedom. Say, because God is good. God is good. He allows me. He enables me. He gives me the grace to choose freedom. That's right. Let me tell you something right now. Some people, they don't want to hear the truth. So they choose a lifestyle of captivity and slavery to sinful things or just being miserable. And to me, I believe that be being miserable is sinful. Staying miserable. We've gone through seasons. You're like, man, I'm just miserable. I understand that. But staying miserable, I believe that is sinful. Scripture says in the Old Testament, the Lord told his people, he said, you have not served me gladly. Now I have a problem with you because you have not served me gladly. Now it doesn't mean, hey, I know even Christians have gone through bouts of depression, different stuff. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm failing God. No, you're going through a tough season. That's okay. But we don't stay there forever because he gives us the ability. He enables us to choose freedom. Let's go through our points again today. God's goodness enables us to put him first to crush bitterness, to really know him, and to choose freedom. I don't know about you, but today, I choose freedom. Bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would, please. This is not the end for you, people of God. Man of God, woman of God, I speak to you. Mom used to say it all the time. It's classic and it's so true. Rise up in his presence. Rise up to the occasion. Rise up to the challenge. Stand up. Stand up because God is good and God is on your side. You stand up in the trial. You stand up when you're joyful. You stand up when you're less than joyful. You stand up when you don't feel like it. You stand up. What does that mean, taking a stand? It means this is it. This is where I'm going to be. I'm going to position myself for blessing. God has something great for me, and I will receive it. And I will stand in his presence because he is a good God. Standing up means standing for righteousness. Standing up means, Lord, you've got more for me, and I will stand to receive it. Standing up means I will be counted in life. Stand up and be counted. That's right. I want you to prepare your hearts today because we're going to do the Lord's Supper. I want you to prepare your hearts. Is there anybody in this house who says, right where you're seated, just raise your hand if you say, I need to just get right with God. That's going to cover everything. 
I need to just make sure my heart is right with God. Would you raise your hand? God bless you for your honesty. Because if you're going to take the, the communion today, I want to make sure your heart is right with God because we don't want any special judgment to come on us. Everybody in the house, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, you already know where I've missed it. Please forgive me, Lord. I humble myself. And God, in my brokenness and knowing that I can't do it by myself, please forgive me and cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I'm so sorry, God, but I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that makes me right with you. And I thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy, your grace, and you letting me choose to serve you. God, you are good. God, you are holy. I thank you.